You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Today, we have yet another amazing guest. Her name is Michelle Seiler Tucker, and she's the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated. She's a mergers and acquisition expert. She's been in the industry for over 20 years. She's well-regarded as one of the leading authorities in buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. And believe it or not, her and her firm have sold over a thousand businesses in almost every vertical and have had a great track record of success. So we're happy to have you. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Yeah, thank you. I think it's really interesting. And just, I don't want to spill the popcorn in the lobby here because we got a couple (laughs) of things to talk about, but we're going to talk about a stat that I didn't realize. I I totally didn't realize until you shared it with me in the pre-interview. And that is that 80% of businesses will never sell. So 80% of businesses, business owners that put their business up on the market to sell and try to sell that business will never sell. That's crazy to me. That is crazy. And that doesn't come from me. That statistic comes from Steve Forbes. And Steve Forbes endorsed my book, Exit Rich. It is a crazy statistic. And it should be a huge wake-up call for all business owners because it literally means you have less than a 20% chance of success when you go to sell your legacy. Yeah. And I think this is a really important topic because everybody that starts out as an entrepreneur, whether you're a startup or you've been in business for five years or 10 years, at some point, everybody's going to be looking for some sort of an exit, whether that be you know handing it down to their kids or to management or to sell it or to go public or some sort of a strategy. And you, know, you can't just wake up one day and decide that you're going to sell your business. So we're going to go over your kind of a system that you have. I think you call it the six P's for preparing your business so that when you do put it up on the market, it will actually sell, right? But before we do that, talk a little bit about your book, Exit Rich. Give us a little bit of a quick insight into that, and then uh, we'll dive right in. Sure. So Exit Rich is my third book and endorsed by Steve Forbes, again, who says 80% of businesses won't sell. And he says Exit Rich is a goldmine for entrepreneurs as they leave way too much money on the table. Sharon Lecter is my co-author. Have you heard of Sharon Lecter? No, I haven't. Who's where, really? Where? She wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. Ah, uh, I did. You know what? Now that you mentioned yeah. it, yes, for sure. Yes, yes. So yes. she's a CPA, financial literacy expert, and New York Times bestselling author. And then also Kevin Harrington wrote the foreword, who's original Shark on Shark Tank. And Exit Rich is a Wall Street Journal bestseller, USA Today bestseller, and many categories on Amazon bestseller. Exit Rich is not just about selling your business. The first half of Exit Rich is all about really focusing and figuring out what you want to do, you know, and plan your GPS exit model, your GPS exit from the beginning. And then it's all about building the structure, the infrastructure on the six P's 
The second half is about selling. So the first half is how to build a sustainable business that you can scale. And the second half is how to build a sellable asset. So when you're ready to sell, you don't end up in an 80% failure rate. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's because it does take a, you have to be very intentional when you're building a business that you want to sell. I mean, right. most, most small business owners, you know, make all the mistakes along the way. And then you come in at the end as an expert trying to help them prepare it. And they think that, you know, a month later, the business is going to be sold and, and, right. and they're going to be sailing off into the sunset. And they don't realize that that might take two or three or more years yep. to prepare a business so that it's actually sellable. And I think that's, you're going to dive into that. Yep. But let me ask you this. When did the book go on sale? What, was, it, was it earlier? It was earlier this year, correct? So we've been doing pre-sales for a while. The book was supposed to come out in April 2020, but there's this little pandemic that happened. <laughs> yes, exactly. So then, so then it actually launched June of 2021 and was the actual launch date. Love it. And we sold thousands upon thousands. And, you know, we had the numbers to make the New York Times, but we did make the Wall Street Journal and USA Today. Awesome. Congrats. So they can pick that up. I mean, obviously, we're going to dive into some parts of that sure. book today, but we can't pull that all apart. So. Where could they get that book? Amazon, of course. So they can get the book at Amazon, of course. They can get it at Barnes & Noble, your favorite bookstore. Even if you have a local bookstore, just call them and, and we'll make sure they get books there. Plus, they can go to exitrichbook.com. That's where we have all the bonuses that we can talk about at the end of your show. Oh, good. Awesome. All right. So that's awesome. So make sure you guys stick around to the end. You'll get all those bonus offers. All right, cool. So why don't we, why don't we pull this apart? First, okay. break down that stat a little bit further. Kind of frame that for us, that 80% okay. of businesses will never sell. And then dive into that. I think you call it the six Ps. Pull that apart for us. Sure. So back to what Steve Forbes says, 80% of businesses on the market will never sell. And there's a lot of different reasons for this. But one of the biggest reasons is business owners don't think about selling their business. They don't plan their exit. They don't think about selling their business until an internal or external catastrophic event occurs. So internal could be health issues, partner disputes, divorce, death. You know, External could be this pandemic that we've been in for the last year and a half. The worst time to sell your business, Dennis, is when you're in the middle of a catastrophe because your business is typically trending downward and not doing well. And I will tell you, most sellers will call me up and say, I got to sell my business. I can't take it. I can't stand my employees. <laughs> I got to sell it because I'm losing market share. So you really need to start with the end in mind, like Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. Because if you just wake up one day because of a catastrophic event, you're nowhere close to selling your business for what you need to probably retire on or enter the next phase of your life. So there's a huge valuation gap there. So you really need to plan it from the beginning. Really quick on the GPS exit model, first thing we always tell our clients to do is figure out your destination. You know, that's your, that's your end game. That's your sales price. What do you want to sell your business for? Pick a number. And, you know, everybody gets hung up on a number, Dennis, but it's just a number. You can always change it along the way. Let's say you, say you want to sell for $10 million. The next step is knowing where you're starting from. What is your current location? In other words, what is your valuation? Most business owners never, ever get their business evaluated. Your business is your most valuable asset. You must get an annual valuation checkup to know what your business is worth because every year there are, there are events that increase valuation or events that decrease valuation, like this pandemic. So you need to know what your numbers are. You need to know what your business is worth. So let's say you want to sell for 10 million, you're currently worth 2 million. Next step is time frame. When do you want to do this? Let's say you want to do it in 10 years. Next step is who are my buyers going to be? There's five types of buyers, Dennis, and we'll talk about the buyers in my book, Exit Rich. 
And then you got to reverse engineer your plan, know your numbers. What is your gross revenues, your COGS, your operating expenses, most importantly, your EBITDA? Where does that need to be in order for you to sell for $10 million? And in most cases, you're going to have to have at least two to $3 million in EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. The last thing is, what are the synergies that these buyers are looking for? What are the characteristics? And then this is where the six Ps come in. And you build your business to meet their specific criteria. It's kind of like Dennis, when we start our business, we're like, here's our widget, here's our target market, right? And we build everything around that target market, that target audience. Same thing with your business. Your business is your widget. (laughs) You got five types of buyers. And so you got to figure out where the numbers have to be. What are the characteristics that you need to build? And then- I love that. I love that idea of just working it backwards. It's so simplistic, right? Mm-hmm. And but it really can be that simple. You're really just working it backwards from where you want to be to where you are, and then you're right. kind of doing a gap analysis, and then you're filling in that gap based on some sort of strategic planning, right? I mean, right. And again, and I like I love I love that concept of doing an annual or recurring business valuation. I know that I've had the, I've had business valuations done on businesses that I've owned in the past, some things that I've sold and, and other ones that haven't sold. But the point is, is that it's it becomes that business valuation is of the first time is is an eye-opening experience because most business owners are quite shocked as to the results of those business valuations, right? Yeah, so they have sticker shock. They do. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and you know, the hardest part of my job is to tell somebody that their baby is not as pretty as I think it is because yeah. everybody thinks your babies are so pretty. Yeah, your baby's <laughs> you ugly, know? but we your can baby, make it. But we can put ugly. some lipstick on it if you if you give us a chance and you listen. All right, I love that. So yeah, so let's talk absolutely. about that process. I think that's interesting. Yeah. So which process? The really? six the six I think oh, we're yeah, gonna okay, migrate so, into the six P's because yeah, I think so that's really gonna that'll give you a good, everybody, a good framework of what they need to do in in order to not become one of those 80% statistics. And we migrate. And and here's what you got to think about. The reason why 80% of businesses don't sell is because most business owners have built themselves a glorified job and what should go to work at versus a business that actually works for them. They haven't built a business that somebody wants to buy. So when you build your business on an infrastructure running on all six cylinders on all six P's, you're going to have a valuable asset that you're going to be able to create a bidding war and maximize value and get a much higher price if you follow these steps. So when I take you through the six Ps, I'm also very quickly going to tell you some of the mistakes that business owners make, okay? So the first P is people. One of the number one reasons that businesses are not sellable is because the business is dependent upon the owner. The owner, if you plug that owner out of the business, there is no business. Perfect example of dentist, been in business 50 years, has three dental hygienists, no other dentist. He said, Michelle, I want to sell. And I said, well, you're, you're going to have to stay on. He said, well, my daughters, my dental hygienist are my daughters. So talk about a family business. And I said, listen, I can sell your business, but we can't maximize value because you are the business. Right. And that makes all, sense. And offers I bring to you are going to be contingent upon you and your daughter staying on and there's going to have clawbacks and contingency language in there. If you don't stay on, then it's going to decrease the price. And he said, well, we're not staying. I said, well, then you're not selling. <laughs> so people is number one. You don't build a business, Dennis. You build people and people build the business. And so many entrepreneurs work in their business and not on their business. And they have the mindset that, gosh, if you want it done right, you have to do it yourself. Well, that can't be further from the truth. You know, that's not true. Entrepreneurs have to focus on their strengths, hire their weaknesses, 
and make sure you have the right people in the right seat. And Dennis, ask the who question, who answers the phones, who opens the doors, who handles marketing, legal, accounting, manufacturing, logistics, quality control. The list goes on and on. The clue here is that you should never be next to the who because we're trying to build a business to run without you. And I will tell you about 90% of businesses are dependent upon the owner. They don't have a business, they have a job. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons for that, I think, too. Just poor planning, but also control issues and control issues. And, that's you know, right. And all that you'll never stuff. grow unless you let go of the control. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to let go on that steering wheel, though, when you're a startup, right? You've got that steering wheel and you're holding it tight and it's you're keeping it inside the lines. And, you know, yeah. we haven't crashed yet. And then all of a sudden you're asked to let go of control. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's scary. Right. But I have clients that have been in business 10, 15, 20 years and they're still got that steering wheel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're clutched. (laughs) (laughs) So the second P is product. Now, product is your product, your service, your industry. And just a quick fact, you know, when I wrote my very first book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth in 2013, I did the research and learned that startups are always at great risk. 90% of all startups would fail within the first one to five years. But here's what people don't know and what I didn't know. When I did the research for Exit Rich, I was flabbergasted to learn that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. Now it's only 30% of startups are at risk, but out of 27.6 million businesses, those companies have been in business 10 years or longer, 70% of them are going out of business. You hear about the big public companies all the time in the media, like Toys R Us is in business 75 years goes out. Pier One, Kmart, Steinmart, JCPenney's, you know, what else is closing? Disney stores. And the list goes on and on. But guess what the media doesn't tell us about? They don't talk about the private businesses <laughs> on every street corner, in every town, in every state. These business owners are exiting poor. They're selling for pennies on the dollar, closing their business, even worse, filing bankruptcy. And the number one reason for that, Dennis, is because of lack of aim. Aim, A-I-M. Aim is always innovate and market. Business owners stop innovating. Toys R Us did nothing new in 75 years. Blockbuster sold Netflix. They had an opportunity to purchase Netflix and get creative, but they did nothing. So lack of innovation. You have to ask yourself, is your product, your industry, your service on the way up or on the way out? Do you have an Amazon and you're in your prime? If you're in your prime, this is when you sell. <laughs> or do you have a blockbuster and you're about to go out of business? So you got to innovate. Innovation is key to success because consumers' buying habits have changed dramatically. You can thank Amazon for that. Amazon changed the way that consumers purchase products because Amazon makes it so easy. You know, whoever makes it easiest for the consumer to do business with you is the company that's winning. Amazon winning because you can practically buy a horse on Amazon and have it delivered in two days. Yeah, they set the bar so, really high. Yeah. No so doubt. product, you have to always innovate. You always and you always have to innovate and market and ask yourself, what business are you in? You know, Amazon did that back in the 90s. What business are we in? And they say, we're in a book fulfillment business. Number two question, what's your secret sauce? What do you do better than everybody else? And Amazon said we do fulfillment better than everybody else. Number three, the most important question here, Dennis, is what business should we be in? And Amazon said, we should be in a fulfillment business, fulfilling orders for everybody all around the world. Those three simple questions is what really transformed Amazon from a small book fulfillment center to the multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in America, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I know these questions sound easy, but you know what? Guess what? It takes an expert like you, Dennis, probably to sit down with your clients and help them figure it out because that's where we become transformational. We got to get out transactional and become transformational. Does okay. that make sense? I love that. No, I think that makes total sense. So process. always innovate the product. The product is that, so first we had people, then we had product. Now yep. the next P is? 
processes. All right, let's do it. As most business owners hate this speed. They hate processes. It's kind of like exit strategy. They don't come up with a process until a problem occurs. They're like, oh my gosh, we need a process for that, right? Processes, most business owners get this wrong. Processes need to be designed with the customer experience in mind. Most business owners design their processes around their own agendas. Doctor's offices, what are their hours? Yeah, nine to three. (laughs) Nine to three, Monday through Friday, nine to three or nine to five when we all work. You know, McDonald's back in 1950, watch the movie, The Founder. If you've never watched the movie, go watch the movie, The Founder, based on upon the McDonald Brothers. Back in 1950s, McDonald's said, we want to design a fast food system, a fast food process, because there wasn't any fast food restaurants. And it said, we want our customers to experience great tasting food that's hot, fast, 30 seconds or less. They designed their entire concept, their entire process is around those three experiences. So ask yourself, what do you want your customers to experience? Come up with three things. Make sure that you have those policy procedure manuals, that they are buttoned up, that you have, you know, those SOP checklists and everything. Because one of the first things a buyer does is ask for your documentation. You know, those employee handbooks, those non-competes, all of that paper is extremely important, not just to be able to run a sustainable business that you can scale, but also so you can have that sellable asset. Got it. Great. So those processes, yeah, I mean, that's something that if you're smart, you're filling those gaps along the way. But the more important part is you're actually documenting those processes. And then secondarily, you're handing those processes off to somebody, right? Which is that whoever that leader is that we talked about in the people part. It's never ending. When something happens, you're you're like, oh, we need a process for that. In our office, we keep a book of wow and a book of unwows. A book of wow is when somebody does great to really create a wow experience that goes in our book of wows. The book of unwow is when somebody screwed up (laughs) and it's not creating a great customer experience. That's going to go in the book of unwell. And that's what we use for training our staff and training our, our clients. And highlighting you know, your former staff. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's funny. You have All to create right. wow experiences. Otherwise, you're going to lose market share. Yeah. I love the fact that you mentioned, I mean, we got to move forward. But the one yep. thing you said, we, we, you said customer experience. You didn't say customer service. That's always big with me because there's a huge difference. And I I don't know if we have an opportunity to really dive into that. But when you hear those two terms, they're very, very different. Very different. Okay. Very different. You can always have me back. Yeah. I don't want to gloss over that, but I think that customer experience is important. What's next? It's huge. So proprietary. So let me give you a crash course on valuations. If you have an EBITDA under a million dollars, unless you're a SaaS company, (laughs) the multiple is typically going to be one to three, three and a half times EBITDA. Now, if you're a SaaS company, it's a multiple of revenues. But when you're EBITDA, and this is just, you need to get your EBITDA over a million because that's where all the magic happens. So over a million, it typically starts at five and up. What is the number one value driver? The number one value driver is proprietary. These proprietary assets are six pillars to this. The last two Ps are very quick, Dennis. So let me just talk a little bit about proprietary. Number one is branding. The more well branded you are, the more I can sell your company for as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumers. Is anybody paying any money for Blockbuster? <laughs> Not today. No. The most valuable brand in the world is, do you know? The most valuable brand in the world today is probably, I don't know, Apple, Disney, or who knows? First Netflix. choice. First Apple? choice. Apple. Apple. $359 billion. Yeah. $359 billion. That's just for the brand. That's not the cash flow or inventory assets or real estate or anything else. So build your brand. Trademarks are huge. But the mistake that a lot of business owners make with trademarks is is they'll start a business, they go to GoDaddy and say, yes, I got the .com. 
<laughs> then they'll go to their state and they'll get a state trademark. But guess what they don't do? They don't go check the federal database. I can't even begin to tell you how many clients I've seen receive cease and desist letter and they have to stop using that company name. Yeah. And that's because somebody else has it. After you've invested millions into building that. Millions. Brand. And then guess what? Then you got to start all over again because you're probably going to lose in court, you know? Yeah. And even if you don't lose in court, you still got to spend a, a buttload of money <laughs> to defend yourself. Yeah. So not just trademark your company name, trademark your podcast, federal trademark your podcast. If you're doing business globally, make sure you get that global trademark, but also products. We're selling a company right now for $60 million. They have 12 different products. Each product is, is exclusive to a retail brand, like one's in Walmart, one's in Target, one's in TJ Maxx. So get a trademark for your logo, your slogans, your podcast, your products, all of that. Patents are huge. If you ever watch Shark Tank, every shark sings the same tune. Do you have a patent on that? Do you have a patent pending? So patents are huge. One of the biggest mistakes too, the business owners make is they hold all of their IP in their same corporation. Don't do that. If you get sued, you don't want to lose your IP. Always hold your IP in a separate corporation. The other thing that's very valuable, we sold a company, by the way, for $18 million. It was practically losing money, but they had 18 patents, very valuable patents. Contracts, manufacturing contracts, distribution contracts, vendor contracts, any type of exclusivity contracts. Client contracts are very valuable, especially if they have a subscription model. Here's a mistake the business owners make with contracts. 98% of all sales are asset sales, not stock sales. I have never met a business owner in 20 plus years over a thousand transactions in every vertical that actually gets this right. You must have the transferability clause in your contract that says this contract is transferable upon a new entity. If you don't do that and the buyer doesn't agree to a stock sale or your clients won't agree to consent to transfer, then your deal is going to fall apart. Mm. Wow. And a- you don't want to go to your clients and ask them to sign consent to transfer because now they know you're selling your business. And what happens if the deal doesn't close? Yeah, they start shopping. Exactly. So make sure you get that transferability language. Databases are huge. You could be losing money and sell your company for millions or billions if you have a great database. Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp. And WhatsApp was hemorrhaging. But they had a synergy. They had a billion users. That's what we're talking about right now are synergies. Yeah, same and thing with Instagram. That's the same thing with same Instagram. Thing. When they bought Absolutely. Instagram for a billion dollars after 18 months. And I love it when clients come to me, Dennis, and say, oh, I, I got a million users. I'm like, okay, where are they? Oh, they're on Instagram. Just because somebody's following on Instagram doesn't mean- <laughs> Yeah, you don't own them. your followers. You do not own them. Yeah, you, you don't even have the data. You just, they just maybe like your like your posts yeah. or- You got to create a, a funnel comment. to get them into your system off yep. of Instagram. Okay. All right, so, so we went proprietary. To, we went proprietary. Try to hit the other two Ps if you can. Yeah, I just want to say celebrity yeah, endorsements. Yep. Celebrity endorsements are ah. huge. You have a client that has products in front of Oprah. We have a strategic that's going to pay a lot of money for that because they want their products in front of Oprah. So any type of celebrity endorsements, radio personalities, they can only endorse one vertical at a time because otherwise they lose credibility. Also, content is king. Okay. You can get a lot more money if you have a lot of content built up. All right. So the fifth P is Patreons. This is your customer database. Most business owners follow the 80-20 rule where 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of their clients. Customer concentration. We're selling a company right now for $55 million. They have 65% of their revenue tied up in one client. Now, oh, we've had death. 
a lot of buyers pass because of that. You want customer depth. It is depth. We, we would want someone in media company to only have five clients. And the reason is because they catered to casinos. They lost two in the process. The company wasn't sellable anymore. That's funny because when I sold my last company, when I started the business and sold, the day I started it early on, I said, I'm going to take more of the mutual fund approach with customers. And when I sold the company, we were doing over 80 million in sales and the largest customer only was doing 8% of our revenue. That's amazing. See, that's great. That's what you want. That's the model that everybody needs to follow. But But I was very intentional about that. You were intentional. Yep. My first year, it wasn't that way because of course we were getting started. So you always get one or two big clients, but then the the emphasis was always, we need to diversify. We need to grow that customer base. I don't care how well we're doing, continue to grow that base. So yeah, I think that's a very important lesson. And so then the last P is profits. We're all in business to make money. And everybody's like, Michelle, why do you put profits last? Here's a reason. Lack of profits is never the problem. Lack of profits is never your problem. It's the symptom of. It's a symptom of not having, I have clients that come to me all the time. So Michelle, I got a profit problem. I'm like, no, you got a people problem or no, you got a process issue. Or no, you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to defend your intellectual property. <laughs> you know, lack of profits is never the problem. It's always a symptom of not operating one of the other five P's. If you're operating all five P's and you're intentional about it, then you're going to be profitable. It's pretty much foolproof. No, I love that. You're hundred percent right. I think it is a symptom. You just yeah. hit the nail right on the head. I think that's, I think it's in the appropriate spot as number six, because if you listen to the first five and you actually act on those things, not just listen, but actually act on those and make right. those steps. I think the profits are, are you're probably just 10 extra opportunity of profiting, having grow, throwing off a good profit for the business, which is, which is, of course is an important component of selling a business because companies typically want to buy companies that are profitable. They don't have most, to be profitable, but most companies, they want to have some profit. They don't want to, they don't want to buy something that's hemorrhaging unless there's something really, really strategic. Yeah. Like in the case of Facebook buying everybody um, they've bought that? so far. <laughs> yeah, everybody bought so far. That's exactly everybody they right. bought so far has been hemorrhaging, <laughs> has been losing money, but they bought it on data. So all right, great. Well, listen, so those are the six P's. Let me just ask you a couple of rapid fire questions, then yeah. we'll wrap it up for today. I wish we had more time. Maybe we will have you, we'll definitely have you back back on for sure in the near future. All right. So the next question here is. What's your favorite growth tool or software or app or some sort of SaaS product? Something that you use that you think is extremely valuable to you or has been extremely valuable to your clients, some sort of a tool, some sort of a software. Um, we, have, we have a CRM that we use. It's, it's proprietary to our industry and not for any other industry, but it's really, it's really great for us and our clients because you know clients got to stop putting financials on Google Drive. Yeah. Clients have to stop emailing financials. It's not secure. So our CRM is great for our clients because there's data rooms that they can upload all their documents to. It's extremely secure. It's a data room that we use for due diligence. It's a really great tool that we feel has increased our efficiency and productivity, you know, substantially. And um, it's really user-friendly and easy for our clients. Did you build it? Is this something you built? No, no, no. I didn't build okay. it. It's, it's a gentleman out of Canada. Gotcha. But it's okay. just for the M&A industry. It's not really for any other industry. So a CRM is a tool in general you think is a valuable a C- tool. For yeah. Business. And ours yeah. is just not a CRM. I mean, it is a CRM where you keep up with your clients and you know you make sure things don't fall through the cracks, but there's so much more to ours because it has a data room so it can load all the financials. Everybody can go in and view it for due diligence. We can have all the data and all the analytics of who's doing what. 
you know, so it's, it's a CRM on steroids. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And besides your book, Exit Rich, mm -hmm. what would be one book that you would recommend to the audience? Maybe something that helped you along in your journey you think might help them on theirs? Oh my gosh, there's so many great ones. Um, one of the best ever is Napoleon Hill Foundation, you know, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. I actually wrote a contributing chapter on Think and Grow Rich today. So I would say that's one of the best ones. Another one that's really good for entrepreneurs is The One Thing by Gary Keller, because entrepreneurs are like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> yeah. And the one thing really teaches you how to focus on that one thing. Like, let's say that on the six Ps, you need to really look at your weakest one and focus on the weakest one first. So if it's people, give all your attention to that one right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes Instead total of trying sense. To, to build on all six, focus on one at a time. Yeah. We have a tendency to spread ourselves a little thin for sure. Yeah. And we get distracted very easily. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, listen, Michelle, it's been a pleasure having you on here. I really appreciate it. Congrats on all your success. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, get a copy of your new book, Exit Rich, and maybe even access some of those bonuses, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for having me on. So everybody can connect with me at silertucker.com. That's silertucker.com. And if you like any things that we talked about, you can go take the 6P quiz at Siler Tucker Academy. You can also take the quiz, what type of business do you own? This will give you some really great insight of where you are with your business. And then as far as buying Exit Rich, you can buy it at your favorite, your favorite bookstore or on Amazon. Just send us the receipt so I still make sure you get the bonuses. But you can also just go to Exit Rich to make it really simple. <laughs> and for $24.79 plus shipping, we will email you the digital download, plus we'll send the hardcover to your doorstep. Plus, we will give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club, where there's lots of video content. I mean, doing deep dives in different strategies and techniques, plus documents, Dennis, documents to operate your business, documents to sell your business. We have sample employee handbooks, operation manuals to sell your business, sample LOIs, letter of insurance, purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing documents. All of these documents will cost you over $50,000 if you tried to recreate with an attorney, because attorneys, I swear to God, charge by the word. <laughs> yeah. So all of that is there for you. Plus, we're giving you a 30-day free membership into Club CEOs, which is an entrepreneurship mastermind where we really help entrepreneurs build that sustainable, scalable, sellable business. All, like I said, at exitrichbook.com. If you do buy it somewhere else, just email us a receipt to marketing at silertucker.com and we'll still make sure that you get those bonuses. Yeah. And that's Siler Tucker, S E I L E R. T-U-C-K-E-R.com, right? Siler yeah. Tucker. Got yeah. it. And then also listen to my podcast, Exit Rich. Love it. Well, listen, we'll make sure we put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.